just gonna go into the stewed. Oh, the door is locked. I can't. I can't open it. Well, let me see. Oh, there's. Well, there's three lights on the door, and oh, there's these cylinders on the ground with three symbols on it. And there's a picture of a whale, a picture of a torch, and a picture of a sun. Wait. So maybe if I rotate this one dial over. Bong. Do you want a game hint? <laughs> yes, I do. I really want a game hint. <laughs> Look at the cylinders. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm going to twist this one to counterclockwise and then this one to the right. And oh, oh, I can open the door now. Dong. Remember, the triangle button makes you climb. <laughs> Welcome to the state of the franchise where we look at franchises of all shapes and sizes. My name is Fred Dake and I'm here with my co-host Tom Stadler. Tom, how you feeling? Fred, I'm feeling great today. I am excited to talk about this week's topic. Uh, we're in a new year, so you know it's the new year, new pod, and things are feeling fresh. It's fresh, but we're kind of up to our same old shit because we got a great guest returning from our early days here. Dan Pappas. Hello. Hello. It's nice to be back. Thanks. Thanks for trusting my opinion on things enough to let me do this again. Oh, yeah. I mean, Dan, we had such a good time with you last time. You were an absolute encyclopedia on a very similar type of game which i think we'll have to talk about because of course this week's topic is the popular video game series uncharted which was made by the publisher naughty dog uh a kind of a indiana jones feeling story but but dan we did notice the uh the similarities that naughty dog was also the publisher on crash bandicoot your last episode that yeah um naughty dog is an overall underrated slept on studio i I shouldn't say that like everyone knows those games now everyone knows the uncharted games and the last of us uh you know but coming from the like the early days it's like oh how could the studio that developed you know crash bandicoot or i think like and i know we talked about it like the sonic's ass game or uh, (laughs) as they called it because you know in development because you're just looking at the back of sonic instead to an extent how could they turn around and develop this blockbuster movie of a video game franchise and then do it twice with two different ideas. It's incredible. Naughty Dog is such an amazing creative studio uh, in in that regard, just the idea output. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's pretty incredible when you guys think about where they started with, yeah, Crash Bandicoot, very cartoony, like we are trying to do Sonic, and then, yeah, to move into the types of video games that are as emotionally invested, you like people can get into them, and the action that comes with them, and the gameplay is so fun. I don't know. And, Fred, am I remembering that you said that you had somebody watching you play Uncharted, and they thought it was a movie? No, no, no. That was a commercial. Well, this actually did happen 
for a second today or it was yesterday I was playing the game mm-hmm. and my wife did say, what are we watching? But it was like, it wasn't quite the same where she, she wasn't really taking it in. <laughs> like the commercial was like, your girlfriend's going to be so stupid. She's not even going to know you're gaming. She's going to think she's watching a movie. Like that was the vibe of the commercial, but it did like, because they have these cinematic scenes for a second. She looked up from her phone and was like, Oh, what are we watching? And was like, no, we're playing. <laughs> We are in the game mode. <laughs> I forgot about those commercials. They're not entirely inaccurate. Obviously, it was played up, yeah. but I did forget about those commercials. Well, I think it's it's no surprise that Gamergate came about years later, right? And just the whole idea of, like, we don't really consider women in, like, our target audience. And it's like, but they like video games too just as much as guys do yeah if you want to really see the temperature of the time just watch a taco bell commercial or a video game council (laughs) commercial at the time you'll really see how how the the culture was then well avoid the old playstation 3 commercials they're just like nightmare you know fuel do you remember the baby yeah the baby and it was just the council in the center of a white room and just black ooze everywhere and it was just uh that was a trip and and a choice. <laughs> yeah, it was just a lot. It was a lot. So for anyone who is unfamiliar with Uncharted, um, I kind of mentioned it is sort of Indiana Jones in terms of story. But if you don't even know what Indiana Jones is. So this is an action-adventure video game franchise following a character named Nathan Drake, uh, who is a treasure hunter. So he's like going and looking for like old lost treasures in the world. I mean, you've heard stories like this a hundred times, I'm sure, even just through osmosis, the pop culture. Uh, And there are four different installments of the main series following Nathan Drake as he's going to look for these treasures. And, you know, he has to like kind of outwit and outshoot the enemies. He has to shoot a lot of enemies. (laughs) He's a bit of a scallywag, I would say. Yeah. He is a world-class acrobat. <laughs> like, <laughs> it is, it's pretty incredible. But um, I guess where I really wanted to go, though, first here, guys, and maybe we'll start with you, Dan, as you are our esteemed guest. Uh, so what are kind of like your earliest memories of Uncharted? Like, where did you first start playing it? Yeah. So uh, I do have a very, very specific memory of seeing the... So this was right at sort of it, it wasn't exactly a launch title on the PS3, mm-hmm. but it was pretty early on the PlayStation 3. And I remember seeing a commercial for it and being blown away by this commercial uh, for the game because it was gameplay footage and it was unlike anything I had ever seen. Like it looked unbelievable at mm-hmm. the time. And I think it was like 2006, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken and i think uh you know i got a playstation 3 earlier that year um and you know maybe it was 2007 when it actually finally came out yeah Um, 2007 okay uh but i remember seeing this and like for the first time with having a digital store on the on playstation i was able to download a demo of that game oh yeah and I played through the demo, which was like chapter four, uh, if I'm remembering, you know, because they break down the parts of the games as chapters. Yep. Um, and chapter four in Uncharted One is when uh, the plane that Drake and Sully are in gets shot down, 
and Sully and Drake get uh, separated, and Drake's parachute doesn't open properly, and he wakes up on, like, attached to that statue, uh, and, like, wakes up, shakes, and is like, oh, shit, because there's just, like, a big statue, and the statue's holding a sword, and it's, like, right in his face when he finally comes to. Um, And that moment, like... You know, and you do a whole bunch in there, and you get to explore a little bit of the forest. You do several shootouts and all sorts of stuff uh, all throughout it. But I think on my like fourth or fifth time playing through this demo, my mom finally watched, mm-hmm. and I didn't skip the cutscenes at all with it. And so hearing, you know, it opens up with Drake just going. Oh shit! And my mom got so mad. No, oh, no. Because uh, 2007, I must have only been like 13 tops. Oh wow! Is that right? Yeah, you know, like right when that was happening, it was like 12 or 13, and I was terrified that they were not going to let me get that game. Oh no! And so that was my first real exposure to it was playing that demo dozens of times before mm. I finally got the actual game. And fortunately, they did uh, still let me get it because after that, Mom just saw me running around and just doming people with my handguns and stuff. <laughs> uh, and I'm sure she, that made her feel a lot better, Oh, yeah, too, yeah. yeah. Well, th- th- then, it was, you know, then it was fine. <laughs> but that was my first exposure to it, and I just remember being, oh, when when I saw her reaction to Drake swearing... It's like, what is this? You're watching or playing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. No, so that, Mom, you're dumb. This is not a movie. This is a video game. <laughs> you don't understand. It's cool. <laughs> I just know, like, at that time, the PS3 and the Xbox 360, the live stores where you could download demos, I got so much mileage out of, like, just playing demos. Oh, I <laughs> like, bet. Just like you said, playing that chapter over and over again. I can't even think of how many demos that, like, because you could just have them on your Xbox and not have any games. And, like, that was, like, the early, like, hard drive that we have on our systems now. It's just, like, I was, you know, if I went somewhere with my Xbox, I'm like, oh, I got my demos. I can play those. Yeah. (laughs) That was with the PlayStation 1, too. They had the the demo disc that would come with it when you bought it. And I just remember wearing that thing out and playing the same like first levels or like a couple matches of a fighting game over and over again. I I do specifically remember doing that first chunk of uh, Metal Gear Solid on a demo disc. Because you get the magazine, I remember, with the demo disc yep, in it, yep, and it had yep. a couple of demos on it for games, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was usually was... like three or four, sometimes more. Yeah, I think I even got like a six-month subscription to like Game Informer or something like that. And Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, those were the days. Those were the days. <laughs> Fred, what about you? What was some of your earliest exposures to Uncharted, whether playing or watching it? It was definitely the ads, and because for a while that was... That was the title they were pairing with the systems, I believe. Like that was that was the bundle. If you were gonna get a PlayStation Three, even to the PlayStation Four, I think Uncharted Four was like part of the bundle. That was kind of their big. Uh, it's not a game for everyone, like you said. There's a lot of shooting in it, but there isn't really like blood and guts in it. So it's yeah. a teen game, so they can get away with bundling it. Although I thought it was kind of cool nowadays, like just. Thor, or not Thor Ragnarok, God of War Ragnarok is the bundle now. Yeah, it's like, yeah. yeah, we're just putting a mature game in there. We don't <laughs> care anymore. But uh, their earliest actually playing was when 
the PlayStation Store started giving the free games every month. Yeah. Uh, the earliest one was the fourth one. And the most time I spent with it was actually the multiplayer. Because the multiplayer, which we can get into later, later was... I don't know if you ever played... Uh, is it Factions for Last of Us? Mm-hmm. It was that, but plussed up, where it's, you know, five on five or six on six... And you're running at each other, shooting, but you also have your grappling hook, so you're swinging around. Like it's a very fun, less like intense call, like less than Call of Duty. It's not like that. It's more just fun. Mm-hmm. I spent hours on that, and then I played the story a little bit, but not until very recently have I like sat down and locked into it. And I'm enjoying it a lot. Like the first ones, I'm the earlier games I'm enjoying going back. They're a little older because I didn't experience them when they came out. Yeah, but they are more like almost arcadey in a good way. Like there's puzzle stuff, but like you said, there's a lot more. Just like you can just get headshots on guys running around. It's definitely more simple play that's fun. Like that's like I went back and played the first God of War, and that's like that. It's very slice and dice where this is like a lot of shooting with some puzzles. Yeah. Now you're talking about God of War, like the very first one. Or you're talking about like God. Or first in the Norse mythology. No, the first, first one. Okay, got it. Yeah, I've been going back because, you know, PlayStation Plus has all those classic catalog games. And I'm just like, when I don't know what I want to play, I throw those on. Yeah. Because you can just stream them. So it's very, it's Uncharted is very new for me, but I'm enjoying it. Yeah. It's definitely something that resonates now, I feel like, even after its life, which is good. I feel like the, the Last of Us games also, like we talked about, Naughty Dog had that kind of lasting impact to the point where they're like remaking the first one or like remastering the first one. And I think I was a little confused. Like, why did we need a part one? But I mean, I heard it's beautiful. Like it looks great, plays great. And it's like, yeah, I mean, as long as these games are around, people are going to keep coming back to them keep finding them for the first time and enjoying them. Um, and that's kind of how actually I got into Uncharted myself. I'd always known about it. And people talked about how great of games they were. I remember the commercials <laughs> as you guys are talking about. I'm like, yep, yep, okay. <laughs> but I always was like, nah, I, mean, I don't have a PlayStation 3. I'm not going to go for it. Yeah, I thought I was done after PlayStation 2 with PlayStations. And then 4 came around and I'm like, I'm back in. And yeah, one of like the first things that I noticed was like, I think it was the either the PS4 or PS5 collection or something like that that it had Uncharted 4 and I was unemployed in like 2019 I think like I had just lost my job and uh, I was like well got nothing else to do so I downloaded the Uncharted pack was like on sale like 1 through 3 and so I just played through all of those in like a 3 week span like 1 through 4 and I loved it but I definitely noticed like you know the age of the first one you're like okay this one's a little older and then as you kept going you're like oh wow oh mm-hmm. wow holy cow this guy like awesome yeah, like, I noticed 3 is already trying to be 4, and, like, I mean that in a good way. Like, it's reaching for the type of cinematic game that we're used to. Right. Was, I think that's pretty cool. It was trying to take the platform to its, like, furthest limits, right? Mm-hmm. And then 4, I think, finally realized what it could do. But, yeah, we've definitely been out of the, out of the loop here for a bit now. The last time, um, I mean, to even break down some of the history here, in the first Uncharted, as Dan mentioned, came out in 2007. And then the most recent game, which was after the year after four came out, um, four came out in 2016. Then they had an additional chapter that did not star Nathan Drake called Uncharted The Lost Legacy, which came out in 2017. So we are now going on six years with no Uncharted games in the 
in the mainstream and so far very scant rumors about any new ones i you know, they they put a really nice bow on nathan drake's story mm-hmm. at the end of 4 that I don't know if there needs to be more. I would be okay seeing additional spinoff things with the characters like Chloe, uh, you know, Chloe, uh, Chloe Frazier, who you you know is your partner for a good chunk of two, mm-hmm. um, and you know, and uh, I like I wouldn't mind seeing more of her. She was a lot of like that game, the Lost Legacy was a lot of fun and it was good to kind of get back to form uh and 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 go on an adventure and the style of of adventure was still just as fun without you know nathan drake being the uh the person sure so i would want to see it continue with familiar characters um i wouldn't want to see a whole reboot with brand new people that i have to i don't want to say care about you know because that sounds harsh yeah um but they did such a good job with the world building with our casting crew of treasure hunters and yeah you meet new people throughout the games as it goes but there were those staple folks Mm -hmm. and so if they wanted to make another one, again, focusing as Chloe and going on an adventure as Chloe, I'd be all for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think there is... I really don't see a shot of us returning back to a another Nathan Drake adventure. You say that now, though. But I'm not then... saying I wouldn't be mad if it happened. I don't know if it's necessary. What about a prequel, like like a Baby Sully? <laughs> I mean, I like a young, a younger Sully going on an adventure as Sully. I think that would be pretty neat. You'd be like, how you doing? I'm Sully. <laughs> I'm Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> <laughs> you guys doing good? You want to look for some treasure? You want to? <laughs> you want to go to the? They got a they got a fucking TV in the break room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, what, am I, what am I doing in Papa John's here? What's going yeah, I want to figure out how he became a grizzled, like, cigar-chomping guy. That's the story I want to be told yeah. in the PlayStation format. You want the solo version of, um, <laughs> of like, Sully's story mm-hmm. with, like, what was the guy who plays Han Solo, young Han Solo? I don't Alden Ehrenreich? Yeah, yeah. Just trying to do his best to do, like, oh, this is how he got the cigar and the mustache. <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> um, but it's it's funny too though because you say is it necessary? Was Kingdom of the Crystal Skull necessary? Is Dial of Destiny even necessary? Well, I'm, that that would be my card on the table. Is I rather just have an Indiana Jones game instead of an Uncharted game, right? And just kind of do something different, which would be great if Naughty Dog did it. But let's start at the beginning though to even just get into the beginning of Nathan Drake's story. Um, so. Naughty Dog, as we talked about, had done the Crash Bandicoot games, and then they also went and did these Jack and Daxter games. And after completing Jack 3, Naughty Dog kind of assembled their whole like most technically talented staff members and began development on this new project, which was codenamed Big, which was actually Uncharted 1, colon, Drake's Fortune. So they started beginning uh, uh, development in 2005, and so we saw them kind of, I guess, 
approach a different type of thing because until then we can describe a lot of their games as cartoony right definitely yeah i mean they were very blocky characters with like kind of weird proportions so now they were actually going after like human looking characters and probably i mean maybe fairly say sort of started setting the standard in video games of Mm -hmm. what a human character should and could look like right Mm -hmm. There's definitely like a swashbuckly vibe in all the games. I feel Crash Bandicoot's got like this island vibe. I feel Jack and Dexter, they're kind of like a, I don't know, old school vibe like that. Yeah. And then Uncharted is definitely that. Absolutely. So I feel that's kind of like the through line I see. It's almost kind of a spiritual successor to like LucasArts, right? Or whatever uh, they became when they were making games, right? But yeah, it's like it kind of felt like they always were kind of like the the first ones who did a lot of like these like kind of like feeling like adventurous type games, right? They had the point and click games, and it sort of felt like though once they tried to get out of that, they really never got out of that. They still have like branch off studios like Telltale that are doing point and click, mm. but now with Naughty Dog, you have them doing, you know, we go from like this like animated like you said kind of like swashbuckling feeling to all right, how do we ground that a little bit? And so we got into. Uh, Drake's Fortune, and <laughs> it's one of the first games to use force feedback vibration, which is weird, right? Like, what's force feedback vibration? Yeah, so it was, I guess the best way to describe it is you had, like, the controller would vibrate more. Like, a lot of times in other games with the dual shock and, and all of that, it was as you were doing something specifically, as you were pressing buttons or you were interacting, it would vibrate. Mm-hmm. This game, if you got hit, all of a sudden it's vibrating. Or if the game is trying to tell you something, it's vibrating a little bit more and giving you that haptic mm. feedback in your hands um, to, to let you know that you're on the right track or, hey, you're being shot. Uh, mm-hmm. get to cover <laughs> um you know they there's other very obvious signs of that too but it, it it just helped create a more immersive experience that when you're playing that game you are drawn in because not only are you like watching and hearing now you're also feeling mm-hmm. you know the actions and mm-hmm. it's a lot more consistent as you're moving and and all that stuff so yeah that definitely tracks because I do feel like, yeah, you didn't have that much. Like, I'm even thinking back to like when you need the rumble pack for like mm-hmm. Star Fox, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, yeah, whenever you get hit, like you give the rumble. But it's like, it's literally when those things are like interacting with you. Whereas, like, yeah, this took it to the next the, level. Yes, mm-hmm. it was that first next level. And now every game that you play with a controller today has that level of feedback. And sometimes, you know, you feel a slight little. Th- thump as you are just walking in some games and like mm-hmm. it reacts and you feel it in your hands and that just helps further bring the the player into the world of the game and feel immersed yeah mm-hmm. and so i mean we get a little bit of that feature in this game you know it's got this third person perspective which had really taken off through metal gear solid you know even years before that and all the way through, you know, like GoldenEye, which I think, well, that's more first person, but I think Resident Evil also kind of popularized the over-the-shoulder look, too. Mm-hmm. That's the one I always think of with it. And after some delays, <laughs> kept pushing this game back. Finally, the thing came together, which tells the story of Nathan Drake, who is this treasure hunter, 
supposedly a descendant of Sir Francis Drake, although the series kind of puts that in question, whether that's true or not, uh, searching for the lost treasure of El Dorado and finds Sir Francis Drake's diary, and he travels with his friend Sully, as Dan explained, who is a seasoned see, like, naval pilot, right? I mean, he's kind of a jack of all trades. You learn a little bit more about him in Uncharted 3, mm-hmm. uh, where you get to flash back to some of uh, early or young Drake's uh, you know, first encounters with him, that he's kind of a con man uh, who's good at a lot of different things and talking himself out of a lot of uh, sticky situations, and he's made... A lot of money. He's he's rich. Yeah. Uh, there's there's yeah. You know, and, and that's just kind of. He owns who, successful burger company <laughs> with his brothers. <laughs> we will get into the movie <laughs> at some point. We will get into the. I think we cannot finish this episode without talking about. I, I've got. I mean, I think everybody has thoughts on Mark Wahlberg playing Sully. It's it's a choice, <laughs> but we'll definitely dive into that before I'm this sorry. episode's out. You can keep dropping your wall burgers. You know I'm going to keep doing it, but I'll apologize every time, so it's okay. Um, So they're looking for the lost city of El Dorado, and what we find, and not to spoil the game, but... No, we're going to spoil everything. I mean... That's the point. So spoiler alert, if you have not finished these games, this is sort of a point where we're going to dive in. I mean, really, go and play the games and then come back, listen to the episode if you really want to experience it firsthand, but El Dorado is not a city... But a, as I mentioned, the lost treasure. It's a statue. And it's a statue that does some weird things. <laughs> well, it's it's not necessarily. It's a. Um, it's more of a coffin than a, than a statue. Yeah, and it creates zombies. Yeah, uh, the so it was cursed is essentially what it is. Yeah. And so and I, you know, you made a comment before we started, you know, recording about not liking some elements of it because uh, it gets a little like up until in most of these games up until a certain point in the game everything is so grounded in reality yeah it is all plausible and then it takes a slight little turn for the supernatural yeah um which i kind of like um i remember being like the first time playing through the full game of uncharted one when you're in that the well, that nazi bunker uh and it you just have your flashlight and the the creatures uh are charging you in the hallways yeah um or the you know as you're waiting for doors to unlock and you're screaming as you're running around in circles in a larger room just yeah. running and gunning and shooting these things as they are coming at you because you can't stand still you'll get mauled uh, yeah. i remember being terrified of those and it was such a you know it, and it adds to the like well why on you know why on earth would this have not been recovered by this point in time mm-hmm. it's oh everyone who tried uh opened the thing got turned into these zombies or were cursed into whatever this um form is and so the statue you know remained and you know that's the i mean it's interesting and 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 cool and i don't i can see why people wouldn't like it 
uh, because again, you know that happens at like chapter eighteen of twenty one in that yeah. game, and so you're at the very and you're in the last ten percent of that game basically, and all of a sudden, oh by the way, here's uh, none of the Nazis. Uh, died. They all turned into these Nosferatu things. Yeah, uh, and they're they're coming to get you. But I don't know. I I enjoyed the supernatural twists because that made like that changed the scale of the adventure to me. Like it made yeah. it from like a really cool archaeo you know archaeological exploration game where you shoot people to this grand adventure where. You know, now it changes what Drake needs to do. Yeah, uh, because now he realizes this cannot get out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this cannot leave. We have to do something about this, and that right. dramatically changes things for sure. Well, I feel like that's just like the Indiana Jones thing, and that how every Indiana Jones movie goes. It's yeah. like pretty legit until up until a point, and then it gets bug nuts. Yeah, and then you open the Ark of the Covenant, and the Nazis' faces melt. <laughs> Noticing a trend. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I mean, I do want to kind of put a pin in this because I would like to dive into all that deeper. In fact, talking about how it's a defensible choice based on the treasure hunting movies and things and properties we've seen up until now. It's not. Unusual. You can even go back to like Egypt to talk about like, you know, the curse of the mummy's tomb, right? Where it's like people who found Tutankhamun like experienced weird events after that. So, but for now, yeah. So that is the big plot twist. Um, failed to mention that Nate also has another partner, Elena Fisher, who is uh, her production company has kind of like funded this expedition to help find this treasure. So she is also involved with it. Some tantalizing romantic <laughs> feelings arising. You there. should see Tom's fingers in the studio when he's doing this. He's they doing wiggle. like he's tickling the ivories that are non-existent. But I love it. This is this is how I got my my soon-to-be wife. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's true. Uh, yeah, well, don't sh- you can ask her yourself if okay. you like. But <laughs> um, but. So they're they're competing against Gabriel Roman, who is a competi- competing archaeologist, similar to uh, what's his nuts in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, <laughs> Great bad guy name. God, I know. Um, Gabriel Roman. It's just like it's a very memorable everything they got. Well, and his either the the, the lead of his Guns for Hire Navarro uh, is just incredible. You know, so you got Roman and Navarro as your antagonists. You know, in in that game, and it's just. Navarro's insane, uh, and Roman is just so conniving, and this just sharp-dressed, much more well-funded, you know, businessman, essentially, who's like, no, I want this, this is mine, and they keep getting in your way, and, you know, you somehow keep narrowly avoiding getting, you know, shot in the head, uh, and being able to go on this adventure, mm-hmm. um, but no, Gabriel Roman is a really, I think he's a really cool villain. Yes. He definitely has enough of the mustache twirling that you like to see in like your your villains in video games and movies or whatever else. And I mean, I think something we've already kind of touched on, this, as much as like the commercials were kind of making fun of like people being like, oh, they're going to think it's a movie. I mean, this is does feel like a movie. It feels like you're interacting in a movie that you're watching, right? And mm-hmm. like... I think video games up until then, yes, started playing with that idea. But this is the first one, I think, maybe along those lines that really was like, you are not just pointing and clicking. You are actually doing the actions following what feels like almost like a feature length film. Yeah. Or like like a season of TV, right? It's like, you know, however many hours, 20 hours, 30 hours. So the game 
comes out then in 2007, you know, gets a lot of critical praise for what it's done, you know, because it's really game-changing. I think if you go back to it now, you'll find maybe it's a little bit clunkier than, <laughs> well, especially compared to successors. But, I mean, I certainly enjoyed the first game. I don't know that I would ever rank it among my favorite, but we'll get into that later, too. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess what what were some of your guys' thoughts just on game one here as we kind of put a pin in that? It was an absolutely fantastic way to break the mold of what a lot of games were. Yeah, I Do I think that the gameplay is a little clunky at times? Yeah, there are some, especially when it comes to like the climbing, puzzling sections. The cover system and the, the shooting, that's felt really consistent throughout all of the games. Yeah, they've changed a few things, added some better... You know, slightly better mechanics, but that's all felt the same. The things that they really improved on over the course of the series were a lot of just the mobility options. I felt like overall it was a really um, consistent overall gameplay experience between the four where they just elaborate on it and like tighten the screws a little bit as it goes on. Uh, So I don't think it's horribly clunky. There are definitely things that are like, oh, if if I went and sat down and replayed the whole thing today, I would get to a spot and I'm like, oh, yeah, this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, where it's just, you know, mechanically it's not as uh, as clean as it could be. But it this game I have probably played through and beaten Uncharted ten times. Oh, my oh gosh. wow. Um, I, I, it's... It's so good. The extras for, you know, when you beat it the first time and, you know, you can play through it again on, you know, one of the harder difficulties. You know, I beat all four of the games on the crushing difficulty. Uh, But the one thing that I haven't done specifically is gone through. And I know on like one of the uh, more recent re-releases, I think in the uh, Drake's collection or whatever they called it, where they re-released one, two, and three in one game. Yeah, mm-hmm. they added an even harder difficulty level called Brutal. Right. Um, I think I saw that and just ignored that. <laughs> I with how hard Crushing was. Well, and Crushing's really hard when you're getting started with it. Mm-hmm. As you start getting through the game, you get used to what that feels like, and it makes a huge difference but i remember brutal being like oh you did like almost everything like one or two shots you and it's like oh so it's real Mm -hmm. uh so you're trying to tell me that this guy can't take 40 bullets Mm -hmm. uh and then just sort of sit around for a little bit and be like okay i'm good now but overall it was one of my favorite games for a very very long time and it's i still hold it in high regard because it just um, changed the way I felt and feel about games. Yeah. It it definitely had a just I don't know. It, it really like you said kind of elevated things to a whole new level and yeah I mean it, it really is a marvel for its time and it created something that has now been lasting forever. I don't know Fred where your feelings were on this a little bit. Yeah I was very much enjoying one. I think the thing that I enjoyed most about playing one was beating your guys' high scores on headshots, <laughs> kills in a row. Every time I did it, just your name popped up and it just said, 
my username, your username. I had more points. <laughs> I think that was really nice. Well, you realize I'm going to go back in. <laughs> and he's going to play through it for, what is it now, the 11th, 12th? Maybe, maybe more. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Yeah. So after this game came out, I mean... A lot of people talked about it. I definitely remember that. I mean, I, I enjoyed the first game quite a bit, but I think, you know, I was ready. Like, okay, what's two like? And I do need to talk about, because we didn't really get into the developers, and I think it's actually the right time to do this, because the first game was directed by Amy Hennig, who is, anybody who follows the video game industry, is kind of like a very notable name. She is a person who has driven a lot of this stuff forward. She was the director on the first game. Um, with her writer Neil Druckmann, who is also now who's this guy, <laughs> was a a now driving force not only in uh, Uncharted but also The Last of Us, as he became the director of that game or the creative director on that game. So they, but then they got added in with two other very major people in the process. And one was Josh Scher, who was another writer and was involved in the rest of the games from there on out, as well as Bruce Straley, who was a co-director on the second one, because pretty much Uncharted 2, colon, Among Thieves, was uh, pushed into development pretty much immediately following the success of the first game. And they had kind of drew from this whole inspiration. They were trying to figure out what the next story was going to be. And, they started looking at a lot of different types of journals and entries and like histories for all these famous explorers and Marco Polo, who is also somebody that we we enjoy playing a swimming pool game. <laughs> 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 I, I just had to squeeze that. I like there. it. Gotta make sure you guys are known awake. for his famous swimming game. <laughs> there is an achievement in Uncharted too, uh, that at one point you are. You know, at the top of a of a hotel, and there is a pool, and you can hop in the pool. And Drake does start saying Marco, and Chloe yells at him and says, "I'm not playing this with you," <laughs> or something like that. And you get an achievement for playing Marco Polo. Um, and I believe that has been in every game since then mm. uh, that they have an achievement for jumping in a body of water that it's like, why are you doing this? We don't have time to play Marco Polo. Uh, so that's just been a running gag in, in the rest of the games uh, from there. Yeah. I think I've hidden it once, but I'm like, cause that sounded so familiar when you said it. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I, I think there are a lot of those things in there. It actually makes me think of the recent, like God of War Ragnarok and how everybody comments, like everybody in your party comments whenever you go to look for loot. <laughs> it just was like, it, it was yeah, making my, me, my dad likes doing that. My dad likes loot. <laughs> and it's like, I just love that people are impatient. Just like, do you really have time right now to oh. be going and doing this? The worst was I loved playing the Harry Potter games. And then the third one, it was kind of a cool setup where you were playing as the three mains, but you could like switch out. So you'd be all running together and each person had different spells they could use. But Ron, man, <laughs> so annoying. I'm pretty sure they got Grint because you can hear when you hear Grint, you know Grint. And the whole time. We really need to get back to our dormitory. <laughs> We've got potions, class, Harry. Like, if you go just down the one wrong hallway, where are we going now? Like, it's the worst. <laughs> We're going to get in trouble. 
it's such a great mechanic in games though to just almost keep you honest though a bit right because <laughs> it's almost like why are you going and doing this and yeah and in these games i think i do remember falling in the pool i didn't hear them be like i'm not playing the stupid game because <laughs> like yeah why are you doing these random things or why are you looking i mean i remember trying to find some of the trophies in uncharted and i'm just like nah forget this this is just gonna be too much if i see one i'll grab it but i don't know if this is true but i feel like that kind of thing started with like games like gex the gecko game because wouldn't he like talk to you like when you're oh, just oh, chilling man. like what are you doing but man but man they, uh, they couldn't use like if bad you, words if you pressed words. the uh select button uh you could force him to say one of his many catchphrases i played oh man i i love those games it's funny you bring up gex though too because that was one of bruce straley's who was the director of uncharted 2 or co-director i'm sorry uh his first games he helped design. He did the Gex series. So that was kind of how he cut his teeth in the uh, industry. And he also did like that X-Men video game that came out on like Sega Genesis and the Super Nintendo that was real good. And the Jack and Daxter games. He was also an artist. So he was a co-art director on the first Uncharted game, but really got to get into the director's chair full time here coming into two. I, I just got to say real quick, I get confused Jack and Dexter and Ratchet and Clank. Yes. That's all I want to say about it. <laughs> Me Fair. too. Fair. Wildly different, but also I kind of get it. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably worth talking about, though, that um, Amy Hennig also had a few games that she was involved with before she got into this series, too, where it's kind of Druckmann and uh, Cher were sort of like dropped into Naughty Dog and kind of worked their way up from there. She was involved in, like, the Blood Omen series, like Legacy of Cain, Soul Reaver. So, like, that was kind of where she got in and then got to do her first director on a couple of those games. And then Jack 3 before getting to the director's chair for the first three Uncharted games. So you kind of got the dream team a little bit here of Naughty Dog working on this second one coming in here. And... You know, they definitely worked on some new things. They were developing uh, Naughty Engine 2.0, uh, which was, I imagine, like the Unreal Engine of the time. <laughs> but they were able to help increase, you know, more extensive motion capture, greater you know, cinematic sequences. Everything was bigger, better. And then, as Fred mentioned, for the fourth one, online multiplayer came into play. So as we talk about 2, the whole story is about... Them looking for the uh, <laughs> Shangri-La. Shangri-La. Or some people might call it Shambhala. <laughs> Ow! Yeah, 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 yeah. Did you guys know this song? No. How does your light shine oh, in the homes of Shambhala? Ooh, that sounds nice. Three Dog Night? Yeah, I know it now. Yeah, I, like that I know exactly one song by Three Dog Night, and it's about Jeremiah being lonely. Was a oh, they did that song too. Yeah. Okay, I know two songs. Because <laughs> uh, they also did the One is the Loneliest Number. Oh, yeah. Mm, yep, yeah, yep. we got to do our Three Dog Night pod. I really? saw them at Summerfest. <laughs> did you really? Yeah. Oh, I bet that was a good show. Oh, man. Three Dog Night has done quite a few hits, but... I had to bring that up because that song was in my head the moment I realized this game was about them looking for Shangri-La. <laughs> or Shangri-La. Or like, or it's commonly known as Shambhala. Or it's like Shambhala, I think. is. There's like such a difference in the pronunciation of that. And I didn't realize it was supposed to be a place. 
Like, or I mean, the song obviously implies it's a place, but like, I didn't realize that like it was supposed to be a real place. I thought it was just sort of like, I don't know, something that they were like nicknaming. But so, I mean, as we get into two, you know, so they're looking for Shangri-La. So main characters are all back for this one. We have Nathan is back. Um, and then, as you mentioned, we have a new partner for him, Dan. Yes. Miss Chloe Frazier. The Aussie. <laughs> She's kind of British, though, just right in the movie? Mm, yeah, well, the, the movie depiction, well, that's different and it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> I mean, it matters. Uh, it matters, but... I mean... Maybe she's British, maybe she's Australian. Uh, Minus a few things, those accents do sound somewhat similar in in cadence. They are dramatically different, but I believe she's Australian. I mean, I think... It doesn't matter. It doesn't. It's just the fact that she's she's a brand new character for the game. Does she ever throw a boomerang? Uh, no, so then she's English. Good, yeah. good. Uh, I forgot about that. Unless, that that's the unless, one rule. Unless you saw her put a shrimp on the Barbie, either. No, okay. uh, there was no, there was no shrimping, um, in uh, in Uncharted Two, unfortunately. Yeah, a lot of great that they do, but at the same time, missed opportunities. Mm-hmm. There was no cookouts or. Or grilling, anything like that. So there's no real way to know for sure. Uncharted Five, the barbecue. That's what I want. <laughs> yes, yeah, so they go on the on an adventure in Arlen, Texas, to find the lost propane get, uh, <laughs> grill of Hank Hill. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nathan Drake, you came to the right place. I got propane and propane accessories. <laughs> so, in this game. So they're looking for Shambhala or Shangri-La, however you want to pronounce it. Uh, so he's hooked up with Chloe Frazier, just in the sense of partners. Not, although there is some potential romance. No, there 100 percent is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, they are involved. Mm-hmm. Well, treasure hunting just—it's got to make you so horny. <laughs> It's just that that thrill, that excitement, the adrenaline just starts pumping. You're like, oh, I love this. So they're looking for Marco Polo's lost expedition, though, that was mm-hmm. looking for this place. Um, and they're competing against a guy named Harry Flynn in this one. So, spoiler alert, Gabriel Roman didn't make it. <laughs> yes. Uh, and I believe Roman opens, you know, going back to that, Roman is the one who opens... Uh, the coffin breathes in the zombie dust, uh, starts turning immediately, and Navarro just domes him, yep. just kills him immediately. And Navarro's the final fight. He also uh, does not make it. And honestly, his death way more awful than Romans. Yeah, <clears throat> so it gets tied to the statue as they as it drops the into the ocean, and so he just gets dragged into the depths. Yeah. Horrifying. Well, something we should say about these games, uh, I know we're deep in, but all of them start like almost media res, just like in it, mm-hmm. which I think is pretty awesome. Yeah, is it this game that you start like with the train wreck? Yes. yes. And you're climbing oh. up? Yeah. And which is such a blockbuster movie way to get this thing going that you're like, oh my, you just wake up and you're like, we're on an exploded train. What is happening? And then it flashes back like three weeks, and you're like, 
a lot has happened, and we right. have to catch up to where we were. Um, yeah. It was just such a such an amazing way, and it helps that seeing everything that Drake went through in the first game, you could set up an establishing shot like this. It wasn't unbelievable for this character to have found himself in that horrifying situation. Right. And it's like, and it just feels like that's something that continues to sort of follow. I mean, even the movie kind of starts like that with him like floating on the plane. And you know, you have to like kind of catch up to that point, same way you do in Uncharted mm-hmm. 2. Like, how did we get to this train wreck? And obviously, they're kind of like in Nepal at some point. Um, I thought it was Tibet, but not, not right, obviously. But um, all the great things happened in Nepal. Raiders of the Lost Ark, also, they had to go through Nepal. But they also went through the city of Kathmandu. So somebody obviously was a very big fan of classic rock because I don't know if you guys know the song Kathmandu either. <laughs> I think I'm going to Kathmandu. <laughs> That's really, really where I'm going to. I ha- I just have to say now that like I whenever I listen to Spotify or I come across like a classic rock song, I now like message Tom like, hey, Boss Gags, Lido Shuffle. <laughs> Good, right? And he's like, yeah, <laughs> and I do that like a lot. Yeah, that's that's Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band. Uh, <laughs> that sings Catmandu. Something tells me uh, that Bob Seger was not an influence on the <laughs> plot of this game, uh, but I can't. I've never met Neil or, or Amy. Uh, I can't ask them. You what know, about that I, one I song know. though? So Amy, Neil, I'm talking directly to you now. Was Bob Seger the main influence <laughs> for going to Kathmandu in, uh, in Uncharted 2? You have Kathmandu, though, and Shambhala. Like, mm-hmm. right? It's like. It's gotta be, right? There, there's no. I guess. No, what is that song called, though? Treasure Hunting in Memphis. Yeah. <laughs> Touchdown. <laughs> Wait, that's not even Bob Seger, is it? No. <laughs> that's, that's just like that one guy. He does yeah, that. That's so. like a one hit wonder, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, they end up finding Shangri-La, and we find that there are mutant people again in the end of this game. I mean, it's a long adventure that they're going through here. It's super exciting because they have obviously the train crash that we're talking about. Um, you know, what were some other big sequences in this game? That I mean, because it's so memorable. The uh, when so you do eventually meet up with Elena again in this game about at the. Maybe about the halfway point you meet up with her uh, again. And I would say a really big sequence in this game is in that moment when, uh, I mean, Flynn betrays you. I wouldn't call him the main antagonist. The main antagonist is uh, Zoran Lazarevich. Uh, And when he just shoots Jeff, the cameraman, in the head. uh, Oh, yeah. You know, he just executes him in front of... Drake and Elena, and you then are well. It, leading up to that moment, you're dragging Jeff through the street because he had been shot, and like there are military trucks coming at you, and you are just running through the streets, dragging this guy who can barely stand on his own uh, to get him out of there and try to escape in the in this moment. Like that is such a big sequence. Yeah. Which is, you know, uh, incredible. But then I would also say kind of an equally big, you know, obviously the whole, what leads up to the train crash in general, just the running up the train, moving car to car in constant shootouts, uh, taking out a helicopter 
uh, which it's the helicopter then that crashes into the train when you finally take it down that causes the train to derail into like the side of the mountain, which then gets you to, you know, where you're at in the game when you first started and you wake up in this snow field uh, hanging on, you know, in, in a train um, and all that, they're like, that's an unbelievably huge sequence. And then even at the tail end of the game, when you, um, when you beat Lazarevich and the, the mutant people, the, the defenders, the people of Shangri-La, the, you know, and you know, they got their powers by consuming, you know, cause they, the Marco Polo's journal talks about this massive sapphire. Uh, and so they're like, it's gotta be this huge you know, jewel, then it's got to be worth billions of dollars. And that's like part of it's like, yeah, like, do I want to know what happened to Marco Polo's lost fleet? Sure. Do I also want a billion dollars for having the biggest sapphire in the world? Yes, of course. Turns out it's super powerful tree resin. Uh, like, it's just a, sort of a magical, just chunk of resin at the base of this uh, tree. And the the native folks of Shang uh, Shangri La would <laughs> ate that and basically became uh, immortal uh, right. as far as like a life expectancy is concerned. But they also turned blue. Well, they even referred to the tree as the tree of life. In yes, the game, right. Yeah, yeah. And so you know you might be able to tree of life, or maybe you could look at it as you know. I think it's blending a few things, you know, maybe found a youth, youth, tree of life. Uh, And so, you know, after you, you know, defeat uh, Lazarevich, which, you know, I I do find it interesting that more often than not, and I'm just trying to think of all of them, the villains end up killing themselves or getting themselves killed. And Drake never really lands the final blow. He gets it to a point where, you know, in... Like like we said in Uncharted One, you know, uh, Roman gets killed by his partner, and then the helicopter that falls off the cargo ship wraps a cord around uh, Navarro's foot and just rips him down yep. into the ocean. Lazarevich slips, and then a whole bunch of, he just basically gets ripped apart. Uh, by a bunch of the native uh, folks of, you know, the defenders of Shangri-La. But everything starts falling apart in Shangri-La, and you need to get the hell out of there. Oh, yeah, because you're, um, like, blowing up the tree as you're fighting Lazarevich. You know, right? and yeah. and it, you know, everything goes to the point where no one would ever be able to get back there. Yeah. Uh, and so... <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of a running theme <laughs> yeah. that it's like, oh, we find this thing. It's this mythical treasure, but we're going to be rich. Oh, no. If this is unleashed on the world, everyone dies. Um, and mm-hmm. so we got to figure out how to stop this thing. You know, yeah. Did we start it by finding the clues and putting it together? Sure. But now it's our job to stop it. But that—that's a huge sequence as well. So those are those are probably the three biggest like movie sequences that it's like oh my running through those crowded streets. Yeah. Uh, in in uh, that was probably in Kathmandu or was that in Yemen? Uh, like the street shootout where they're running away with Jeff the cameraman. You know that's a huge sequence. Like the train following, thing. like him waking up after the train, right? Uh, well. No, that, that waking up after the train, you're kind of at the you get into the like the mountain peak, right? Yeah, the mountain peak, and you're kind of getting to that end game. 
Uh, this is all leading up to the the uh, the whole train sequence. Right, right. Okay. With, but yep. I got you now. So it's definitely, I mean, yeah, it's an exciting game. And I think there's something to be said, too, about some of these treasure hunting stories that I kind of want to take a step back from. And you kind of just touched on it. And we've seen this now in the first two games. But it's going to be a running theme through the rest of the two or the other games that talk about it's never really about the final treasure in these stories, right? They're just the MacGuffin. It's really about the journey. And I think we see that in like every movie, story, you know, book, whatever. You know, whether you can go back to Treasure Treasure Island to, you know, National Treasure to Indiana Jones to whatever else, Goonies. Right. Well, I will say National Treasure. There was a treasure at the end of it. It was about the treasure. But, I mean, one. yes. But <laughs> You remember more about their journey, though, right? And then it's, it's never the treasure's never really like as it seems all the time, right? Yes. Or if there is a treasure, right? It's not always within reach, and rarely do they come away with the treasure itself. They just sort of find it, and they're like, "Ah, yeah, it was there for a reason. It was lost and all this." And uh, it's just a very interesting thing that these stories, and I think it's even kind of like a commentary on the boss battles too, which I. We'll, we'll talk about the next two games, too, because I do like the last boss battle in four, but they're kind of anticlimactic a little bit. But I don't hate it. Yeah. But it's also not, like, the highlight. Like, I remember the fight with Lazarevich, but I don't. Lazarevich's fight was really hard. It is a tough one. Like, and Navarro an... was fine because you, you just fight your way up the ship, and then you get to him. Yeah. And then you got to just... Time your rolls in between some boxes and shoot them once, and then it's over. Yeah, but I feel like yeah, it's it's almost more annoying than it is <laughs> like like oh, this is the greatest thing. Like I think, and perhaps yeah, yeah, we can keep talking about this as it goes along. I feel like the lasting legacy of these games though is all the things that happen along the way: the mm-hmm. train, the falling out of the plane, the you know fighting these like monsters and the basement of a nazi facility right <laughs> like or in summary. the middle of a jungle on an yeah. uncharted island yeah and it's just it's just very it very much kind of makes you reflect on a lot of the stories we know and why uncharted is such a worthy successor to these things so far i don't know any other thoughts though on two for anything you want to share how far did you get into it not far like just like a chapter or two like i got literally just got a taste of two and three it's it, it is absolutely worth going back to. Two is my number one of of the four. Gotcha. Uh, by far, it it is just so good. It is memorable. It is a popcorn flick in a um, in video game form. I've probably played through and beaten that one just as many times as uh, as the first. It's just. So good. Uncharted 2 is just so good. Yeah. I think if we wanted to even earmark it, right? Like, Uncharted 1 felt like it was the first time, like, games really took another big step as far as, like, the industry goes. And Uncharted kind of made its its mark. But as far as the franchise itself goes, I think 2 made it, like, this is not just a, a landmark game. Now it's like, oh, this is a really good franchise. Like this, the second one did everything better than the first, as far as story, everything. as far as gameplay, as far as graphics, you name it. Everything is better in two than it was in one. Yeah, and I think once you have the baseline, you start to really care about these characters. You get into their history, and so naturally, then 
after that game came out in 2009 to great praise from everyone and everyone's saying yes much better than the first one this is this is now the next great franchise three got greenlit which is being named uncharted three colon drake's deception so which is set a year later but started developments in the year 2010 um so Naughty Dog, as we kind of wanted to talk about this a little bit as we talked beforehand, ended up splitting into two teams to chase down a little project uh, they were working on beside Uncharted 3 called uh, The Last of Us. And Sounds like it's terrible and will never take off, and there won't be two <laughs> games and an HBO-developed TV series about it. <laughs> I remember saying that. A friend asked me about it, like, did you hear about this game? It was... Uh, you know, back in 2013, and he was like, yeah, this is coming out. I was like, yeah, sounds terrible. There's probably never going to be a, a sequel that comes out seven years later, and it's not going to be developed into a TV show. It'll never happen. And lo and behold. I, and boy, do I have egg on my face. <laughs> well, certainly I think the thing that kind of made a lasting impression for both of these franchises is the fact that uncharted 3 kept amy hennig she stayed in the director's chair for that one meanwhile bruce straley and noah Druckmann, noah right neil neil i'm sorry why did i say noah <laughs> too many end names in this podcast but they went off and did the last of us while she stayed and did uncharted 3 sharing the director's chair with a guy named Justin Richmond this time. So kind of the dream team had to split up a little bit. And I don't know that... I mean, we'll kind of get into this. I think it's a good chance to talk, though, about how the legacy of Naughty Dog really kind of both split and grew because they had these great creatives that started taking on two different projects. Because 3 is a good game. I think it gets a lot more guff than it deserves i would say you're right but how do you follow up something like uncharted 2 correct like that is the they did such a such an unbelievably amazing job with 2 that i think no matter what you do there was going to be some frustration with whatever 3 turns out to be uh, because it's not two. I still enjoyed it. Uh, I'm uh, admittedly a little less familiar with all of the story beats. You know, in this one, I know it's uh, the Atlantis of the Sands. Uh, you know, and it's desert themed instead of snowy mountain. And our main villain is just your average British citizen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but Marlowe is. Um, Honestly, she just looks like Dame Judy Dench uh, a, a little bit, and it just carries herself in typical British supervillain way. Yes, uh, but I don't mean that in a bad way. You know, in a bad way at all. Yeah, I think one thing that this game really tried to do, and you know, and kind of talk about it in the development process, is they really were trying to work on updating the visuals i mean they really pushed it to the edge but i think they were stretching what the ps3 could do at this point mm -hmm. it you know they wanted to make everything a little bit brighter a little more well-rounded a little more real um you know continue to build on that multiplayer system with the co-op modes and 
I think the one place it does kind of suffer, though, is the fact that it was just you lost the people who wrote the last game. <laughs> like, Druckmann's gone. You know, Straley's gone. You know, you're losing. And same with Sure. And it's like you've lost like three-fourths of the legs of what made the last game great to go and make a game that became an amazing game. And you can feel The Last of Us so much like reflects everything that uncharted 2 did like it felt like really that was almost the next step whereas uncharted 3 almost feels sort of like it looks better but it kind of feels like 2 <laughs> like and and that's not a bad thing feeling like 2 is not a bad thing right but at the same time 1 and 2 felt so different from each other they were wildly different adventures mm-hmm Two and three, it's kind of the same adventure in a snow level or in an ice level, you know. And the like, the stakes were still really high going into this one, but I mean, it's less memorable to me. Just overall, it feels less memorable because of how good two is. Yeah, two just eclipses. Everything else. And even still, like, I think I have a better... I just finished The Lost Legacy, like, two days ago. Yeah. And I probably have a better beat-for-beat beat memory of Uncharted 2 than I do of this game that I just finished. Because right. it's just that much more iconic to me. Yeah. And so it's it's an interesting story, because they are looking for, like, what's called, like, the Atlantis of the Sands. And this is the one where they're in Yemen. So Okay, okay, that's yeah. what I was... So, I mean, it starts with Nate and Sully meeting this, like, very British Talbot. Talbot, <laughs> yes. Who's trying to pull a fast one on him to buy Nate's ring, you know, which, again, I think is the first hint we really get that, like, Nate might not really be Drake. Like, because he he's claims that, like, he inherited it, and then there's a lot of questions around that, and we end up getting into the history of, like, how Nate met Sully. So, very reflective of some of that story we get in the movie, but it's more, more expanded how they meet mm-hmm. in Spain, and Nate's trying to break into the museum and steal something, and Sully kind of sees him for the first time. He's like, we're going to do great things, kid, you know. <laughs> that old crusty sailor feeling. Mm, I have a feeling this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but, you know, it's still an exciting game. Chloe Frazier comes back. We find Elena and Nate were married, but then estranged. And so they kind of, like, reconvene, and sort of there's a lot of this, like, weird tension between all of them. And, yeah, it kind of goes along this, the whole place where they're going through the kind of the desert looking for these different things, kind of following the steps of the Crusaders and kind of going, trying to get back to the start with, like, that whole thing of, like, you know, Sir Francis Drake having this. And they go to the into the desert where it's sort of like he had been maybe, like, searching for this at one time, but then it kind of shifts away to a whole different expedition. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I'm even trying to like remember a little bit about this game because I remember there being some excitement. There's a lot of trippiness going on in this. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. You just get absolutely acid tripped out several yeah. times in this game, and that's just part of the, um, you know, part of the city. And like, and you know, you get drugged a couple of times and. Uh, you experience those things. You wake up in the middle of a desert at one point, um, mm-hmm. drinking from this cursed, tainted fountain as well. Like that's another thing in the you know, the supernatural element. There's literally an evil djinn imprisoned in this city, and it's a lot. 
Yeah. We do get the, the cargo plane sequence, though, in this game, which we see in the Uncharted movie where Nate is falling out of a plane and he has to, like, grab onto a crate and, like, pull the parachute on the crate in order to, like, land safely because he doesn't have a parachute of his own. And he had fallen out of the back of this thing, and that's how he lands in the desert um, in Ubar, where he starts to go through these like little trippy sequences where he gets drugged out and he starts exploring his past. And we learn that from Marlo, the, the villain that he had adopted the name Drake while he's growing up in this orphanage, which is very funny because like, I think in the movie, they kind of gloss over that fact. Well, they, they do mention that it's like, it might not be his name, but uh, was that in the movie or is that in the games? You remember? I think that's more so. I'm, I don't remember that being in the movie. I don't think it is. You don't have like a photographic memory of the Uncharted movie, <laughs> do you? No. Oh. <laughs> yeah. How far did you get in this game, Fred? Third one? Yeah. Not very far. I'll say that I was a little boy walking around a museum and looking at different artifacts, and that was about it. <laughs> but like I said, I will be going back and playing these because I I do find them enjoyable. I just think it's funny that. I played a bit of all four, and if you guys haven't told me, I would not have known that there's any supernatural stuff in it. Not that I care. Like I said, go on and spoil, but I just think it's funny. Like I literally have probably played up to right before it happens in the first one, and I've only done the second, third, and fourth up to like anywhere from 10 to 50%. So it's like, mm-hmm. so I'm excited for that, you know? I'm, I'm excited to see some weird stuff. No, I'm even trying to remember, right? I feel like there's less supernatural in four. There is because there's kind of like this sinkhole in the middle of like the desert and like this lost city, and that's and there's a lot of like hallucinogenic effects going on in this because Nate like kind of I think he gets shot with another dart and he like like envisions like Sully dying and it's really just so that they give him the map or that he would give the enemy the map or something like that mm-hmm. to get to. It's yeah. like King Solomon's treasure where he supposedly imprisoned this gin in a vessel and cast it somewhere into the depths of the city. And so they were trying to find this. And, yeah, I don't know that there really is anything. The, the supernatural in, the, in, in Uncharted 3 is not real. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's real in that the water all has hallucinogenic effects. And so the city died out because people were drinking this tainted water and seeing things and killing each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you fight Jin, D J I N N Jin, in and once you're actually in the city, uh, you you know you fight them and you can do that. But you find out after uh, he sobers up because you don't realize in that moment when they shoot Sully, you don't realize the the player doesn't know that Drake has been. Poisoned again, right? Or you know, or drugged again, and so as a player, you think that that happened, yeah. And so you also get very emotional in that moment, and I do remember that, yeah, being very emotional in that moment and going through, and then all of a sudden there's genies that you are trying to kill uh, because they are trying to kill you, and it's just you're going insane because of the the drugs and the water in in the actual city itself, and that was. Uh, that's the supernatural element in in three, but that one's not real. There, the supernatural was a tangible thing in the first two games. Yeah, right. So it's almost kind of like, yeah, they're looking for this 
but they think there is treasure there, but really it's, or like this, yeah, this gin is there that can like do all these things. But it turns out like, yeah, even like Sir Francis Drake, like abandoned this mission. That's like the big reveal at some point. It's like they're following his tracks and he's like, yeah, I never even like went and looked for this thing because this was a lost cause. Because yeah, it was. It turned out to be a dead city. I mean, the two villains then, I think Marlo falls into a sinkhole and she sinks into the sand and yeah. drowns and Talbot gets, you shoot him and he falls off of uh into the sinkhole too, and so everybody just kind of dies in the desert here. It's sort of and like then the city collapses again. Again, and then they never find it. Yeah, but yeah, it turns out Sully was okay all along. Elena and Nate reconvene or you know rekindle. Yeah. yeah, and happily ever after for then at that point. I think the problem with this game maybe to what we were just talking about, it's almost hard to remember the story because there was all this hallucinogenic sequences that you're like, okay, I kind of remember that happening, but I also don't remember what the reality was. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, so it's hard to remember like beat for beat. This is what the story was, but it's still a fascinating game. And I remember a lot of people telling me like, oh, it's a disappointment. And I was like, it's fun. But yeah, if you're trying to compare it against two, I think it just kind of falls a beat short. Uh, do, you, do you guys like, the puzzles? I love the pu- Like, I shouldn't say I love them. I think there are some puzzles that are really good. You know, it's fairly intuitive puzzling, uh, you know, as you are going about and, and, and doing things. But sometimes the puzzles are really tedious. Um, you know, and I feel like two, three, and four had more tedious puzzles than one did. Ones where it was just like kind of a little bit of a jump in puzzle and you did this and it felt like something that you would have to do and, and it made sense. But as you kind of go through the games and uh, the Lost Legacy, the the one, you know, the, the spinoff, oh boy, did it have some really obnoxious uh, puzzles uh, in it. That And the, a lot of the puzzles that were obnoxious were optional and I didn't have to do them, but I did them and it just sucked. Yeah. Um, so, like, I, I enjoy the the critical thinking uh, puzzle part of the the gameplay. Like, especially once you get into these lost runes, and you're like, well, how? You know, of course, this door is closed. How can we? You know, is there a way that we can get it open? Or, you know, working with your environment to do that. Or it's like, oh, there's this ancient like mechanism, and you know, we we do know to some extent that civilizations way before you know when these things would have been built were a lot more advanced than we thought they were uh like and that's just you know a fact the romans had concrete and then they lost that secret uh for like 1500 years or Mm -hmm. however the hell long it was in between you know the the roman empire and when we rediscovered reinforced concrete um you know and it's like yeah the people who were building these things, it does it seem impossible? Yes, of course. Uh, it's all carved directly into stone, but a lot of it is this like water powered uh, you know, thing, and you're turning levers and cranks and stuff to make some of these things happen. And I think it's important for the world building. I think some of the puzzle sections go on a little bit too long. Same thing with the climbing section. Ah, you knew that was going to be my next question. Uh, like, how do y'all feel about climbing? I mean, the Uncharted <laughs> games are a climbing simulator with some gunplay, uh, you know, in yeah. the middle of them, because uh, there is 
a ton of climbing. Um, I think they do a good job of making it feel intuitive and also the amount of climbing that you have to do, I think really helps build the scale of what you're doing yeah. uh, and the scale of the environments and, and all of that. But, um, you know, there's a couple of places where you have to climb up and then you can fall down and then you have to climb back up and you have to do it a couple of times. Yeah. Like, Boy, this is getting a little old. I do uh, like it when you fall and someone's like, Nathan! <laughs> no! I do enjoy... I enjoy the puzzling. Ah, it's excessive. I bet you do. It's excessive, but <laughs> that's part of the stuff I always loved about the Goonies and about Indiana Jones. So I think when I got to do that... I actually, I'm kind of the other way around. I don't know. I don't love the shooting. Like, I, I think that's excessive in my rip car. I get bored. I'm like, okay, great. He's a, he's a murderer. Like, he is a mass well, murderer. Okay. And <laughs> the games are set up that you sometimes walk into an area and you go, hmm, yep, this is set up for a shootout. Yeah. Like an old West town, like, like Clint Eastwood. You're yeah. Ready. Yeah. I'll say, since I feel like we're kind of moving towards the fourth entry here. What I do like about the fourth one, which the other ones have a little, is they perfected the stealth parts. Yes. Yes. Which I love when you, and it's like at the end of the day, maybe I should just put in Last of Us if this is what I want. I love walking into a big area with enemies and it's like, well, it's up to you how you want to handle this. You're going to sneak around, take everyone out. You're going to just go guns a blazing. What are you going to do? Like, I love that. Yeah. Like, and both options. Excited. In those cases, there's never a situation in where both options don't work. Right. Because you could, if you're good enough at what you're doing or you take enough time doing it, you could stealth around, take everybody out without them ever finding you. Yeah. Or if you're just like, I don't have time for this. And bap, 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 bap. I mean, that's always a little bit more challenging, mm-hmm. uh, you know, especially as you're playing on the higher difficulty levels. But I do love that you can have that option in for a lot more than some of the other games. Yeah. And like one, I agree the shooting can get boring. I've only played mostly of one. So I think I could see it getting more refined. But in one, you have that big old circle. And that's how it is in all the games. Mm-hmm. And pretty much if that circle's on the person, you're going to hit them. Yeah. What I do love about four, I think even more so than Last of Us Part Two, even. The gunplay is more realistic on how you shoot because you can't just like pop out, shoot, and just expect to like because that's what I do when I play is I pop out with my pistol and I try to get as many shots off as I can in one area. But in this game, you have the recoil, so if you do that, you you're going off site every time. Yeah. So you have to adjust within that circle of where you're shooting, and I kind of find that fun and challenging yes i think and that's part of i think where four started to excel in my regard and i think it's a perfect way to kind of talk into it especially you bringing up last of us part two and even last of us part one because the these games are intertwined i think more than people realize because uncharted 3 came out in 2012 development of uncharted 4 began in 2011 and that was still had Hennig and Justin Richmond and, you know, being co-directors on this, but they left in 2014 because they had that whole other like projects they wanted to pursue. There's those whole rumors for a while of Hennig going to uh, EA to make these Star Wars games and never got released, which is very disappointing because mm. I think she could have done a lot with them. But mm-hmm. we ended up getting back, though, Neil Druckmann and Bruce Straley from two 
to come and work on number four, you know, so kind of reuniting that, that dream team from two a little bit without Hennig, unfortunately, but you still got Dreckman now in the director's chair who also was writing again with Josh Schur on this game and you can feel it. Yeah. The like, brother stuff is very last of us part two in yeah, a good way. They took so much where last of us. And I think it was like Arkham asylum really developed that whole approach of like stealth or just bull rush and mm-hmm. you go for it and see if you can make it right. And it makes being stuck so much more fun. Like if you're playing on a harder difficulty, right? Like it's not like, Oh, I'm repeating and doing the same thing. And it's like, Oh, I died. I'm going to try this or yeah, let me try could, this. How, how could I play on this better? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but it really took, I think four took the best parts of what made uncharted two and three really good. And then also incorporate all the things that made last of us really good. And again, with that whole stealth piece, and finally you got kind of this concoction that ended up in Thief's End. So Uncharted 4, colon, a Thief's <laughs> End, being the name of this game. And so again, we had these creatives come back, so it delayed development for a couple of years, but ultimately we got a very tight story, as we started to talk about here, with Nathan being reunited, where the very first part of the game is him going on this mission with his brother Sam from years and years ago Sam purportedly gets shot and dies in this mission um, with uh, Rafe Adler and Dean Ross Adler, that's another great like action guy Right. Yeah, it's kind of half my name (laughs) Nadine Ross the the lady, she runs the mercenary group that Asav has hired so she runs Shoreline and so that's why she's a um, thorn in the side, and there is... They don't elaborate on it a whole hell of a lot in the game, mm-hmm. uh, but there is history between the Drake brothers and Nadine Ross. So, I mean, the whole thing follows them going... Tom Adler. Look for the lost treasure of the pirate Henry Avery, right? Mm. And I, mean, I love me a pirate mm. adventure. I love me some booty. Booty. <laughs> 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 gems oh that's just gold fred it's gold <laughs> so suddenly sam comes back to nate who has been retired for a few years he and elena living alone they have all his treasures in his attic in this house and uh full circle moment one of the first things that you get to do in uncharted 4 is play uh the first boulder level from crash bandicoot 1 mm-hmm. in uncharted 4 yes um just great which is so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I remember I remember having that moment and just being giddy uh, as I was playing Uncharted 4 for the first time. Mm-hmm. It's it's really a funny, like, in-game joke. And you like are like, oh, he's like, huh, this is really tough or something like mm-hmm. that. <laughs> but it's great because then you go on this adventure then with, with Nate and his brother. And you get some flashbacks in the process of them kind of, like, thieving around at, like, homes back when they were in an orphanage with kids. And you kind of get this whole history of, like, how they work together. And it really becomes this nice family story, even though... Elena seems a little <laughs> weary of Sam and like, why is he just suddenly coming back and getting yeah. on this? Mm-hmm. Um, and so they go on this adventure trying to find this lost pirate treasure, trying to outwit, uh, you know, Nadine Ross and Rafe Adler. It's just a yeah. great name. <laughs> yeah, like the brother is like a real like 
Ed Burns cigarette smoking like, uh, like he's got like a, a Luke Perry type that's, thing. That's yeah, I was about to say I was like he's got Luke Perry vibes too. Yeah, kind of like Luke Perry in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. For right? sure. Yeah, yeah. So we get we get through this. Um, they end up going to Ma- um, Scotland to try and find the start of the trail. They end up in Madagascar. Yeah. I don't know. Let's talk about some of the big moments in this game too, and maybe just kind of walk through that quick because there's there's a lot in here, and I just remember you go like the lost pirate cities, and I think you do the yeah the the pirate cities. There's a whole lot of puzzles, and one of the things that I think really stood out in this game uh, was the addition of actually controlling some vehicles. Yes, like you can drive a jeep around for a while. Uh, earlier in the game, and then there's a point when there's a series of small little islands, and you can just sort of tootle around in your boat as nice. you're going and exploring some of those um, some of those islands and, and all of that stuff. Um, that you know, it added to the mechanics. Uh, Fred, you mentioned it earlier with the. Uh, addition of like the grappling hook mechanics, where they just made the game. It felt more grand. It felt flushed out. Um, it's more of that swashbuckling feel. Yes, and you know, and it's that pirate. Literally, yeah, it's that pirate adventure. You know, in this last hurrah, and there's some. You know, there. I, I know there are. I remember there being some underwater moments that were really tense. Yeah, where you swim through a tunnel and you're like, "How am I going to make?" And you barely make it through that tunnel. You know, before you, you know, Drake drowns and and stuff like that. And I think the set pieces were very interesting as well. Like going to somewhere like. Scotland, or the uh, you know, as you're getting the first part of the key uh, in the auction house, and you know, That's planning fun. that auction house heist uh, with everybody, with you know, with Sully and and Sam and Nate, and you're all like tuxedoed up, and you're trying to like, okay, you know, you got to go here, cut the power, do this, we swipe it and and go, but then of course you run into Nadine there, who's obviously running security because uh, Rafe wants to. Just buy the thing, yeah. um, and so oh, that's the bad guy—the guy who knows Sully. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Rafe. Yeah. I remember and, they had that little back and forth, like because when he does the auction, he's like, "Good, then I don't have to kill you." Yeah. Or something like that, <laughs> Sully. And yeah, and then end up finding Libertalia, which is like in this island off of Madagascar, the mm. lost city of the pirates. Yeah, and no supernatural. Yeah. All in this what about game. the penguins of Madagascar? Do they make an appearance? Huh. Fred, if you look closely in the background, so you're driving around the, the volcano right now in your little Jeep, right? Just take a peek off the coast. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. No idea. Kowalski? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it does have that like I love when you like play a game that like has a familiar mechanic and it almost feels comforting. Yes. Which for me was getting the SUV yep. and having the knowledge of oh, this is like in The Last of Us where you have the horse. You can follow the mission or you can explore and you might find treasures or yeah. you know, loot. You know, I just love that. Right. And it's fun because then, yeah, you actually like kind of feel like you are in more of an open world. Sort of like, mm-hmm. yeah, Last of Us 2, I think, starts to, I mean, which again was the same creative team. It's another podcast, but uh, <laughs> where you do get that feeling of like, oh, I can go off the beaten track, find some different stuff, like crack a safe or whatever that was left behind. 
Um, but it's definitely a fun game because then you end up do finding like the treasure in a boat. You have this like just a sword fight down with Rafe at the end. And I mean, I liked that final boss battle because that was like actually memorable to me. And you had to like really get down the the slashes and the the mm-hmm. fencing movements. And I was like, oh, okay, so they really were like, we're gonna do this right. And I think a lot of the story beats, not a good amount of the story beats, it feels like they lifted from four to develop the movie mm-hmm. uh, because the movie feels very pirate based mm-hmm. uh, and it focuses on the two keys and they do a heist. Like they basically just said, what if Uncharted four had the plot, you know, Uncharted four's plot happened earlier in Drake's career yep um because then it also gives them opportunities to you know you know if recast they make, sully <laughs> you yes. make a little older something he's john slattery oh weird <laughs> no one would be a better choice than mark Wahlberg. actual sully because actual sully has a mustache and looks even more like the sully from the game <laughs> and he's a dang hero that's true like he, he can already fly the planes so I tell you, so it's it's funny that we'll get into the movie here in a moment. But the epilogue of this game, though, is very interesting because it kind of gets to something that Dan was mentioning earlier of is this the end of Nathan Drake's story? Because Nathan makes it through the end and we get a flash forward where we see Nate and Elena's daughter kind of like walking around this island home of theirs, looking at all these old treasures. So that's kind of the fallout from the mission. And you realize, like, oh, maybe she's going to be the next adventurer now as his daughter kind of takes the crown. But maybe they do just end it there. And and if that was the case, if they pushed forward with Nathan and Elena's daughter as a new protagonist for a new series of Uncharted games, I don't think it would be that far-fetched to have Chloe Frazier be, like, her mentor, her Sully-type person. But granted, I don't think Chloe... Would, you know, just with the the history and Elena, just the humanizing it all. I don't think she, I I don't think she would. Right. Um, but or, or maybe she goes off adventuring with Uncle Sam. Like you know, I don't know. I mean, um, we are kind of almost like pivoting into coulda, woulda, shoulda yeah. with that. I think it's about time. It's that, that time. I, I think it's about that time that we start with our coulda, woulda, shoulda. Because, I mean, I think we're going to continue to talk about Uncharted 4 with this because the movie, as we just mentioned, borrows a lot from that story. And I think it's a great story. We saw the visuals really escalate. The PS4 brought out exactly what 3 tried to do, tried to visually elevate the story, and everything felt Real, or you the, the mechanics were sharper, everything felt a little more well rounded. I felt like everything came together, and I mean, and you do have kind of a, a cliffhanger there at the end where you do wonder, so what next? Because then we did have the lost legacy that you spoke to a little bit, Dan. Mm-hmm. No, that game was fun, and you're looking after you're looking for the treasure. It's an Indian, uh, as in the actual country of India, mm-hmm. uh, an Indian artifact called uh, the Horn of Ganesh. Mm. Uh, and, and they go into a decent amount of, like, the the Indian pantheon and, and talking about Shiva and Ganesh and mm. um, their relationships, where the tusk came from, the cultural significance of it, while also trying to stop um, Asav, who is leading an insurrection and trying to... Because uh, he claims to be 
of the bloodline of these ancient kings that held the Horn of Ganesh, mm-hmm. which just was a symbol of power uh, and wealth. And you're just trying to stop, you get number one, get the Horn of Ganesh, and then number two, stop him from basically creating an uprising and a civil war uh, in India mm-hmm. is kind of the um, kind of the overall plot of that one. And it was really fun. It was shorter. Um, it probably only took me about 15 hours to get through versus the, you know, the 20 to 30 that it would probably take you to get through a regular, you know, full scale uncharted game. Um, but it was still a lot of fun. It was memorable. It was fun playing as Chloe. The final fight was a, uh, a two on one fist fight, you, uh, oh, wow. which you partner uh, with uh, Nadine Ross. Um, it, it, she is your partner. So the kind of half of the an- antagonist and four is your partner in uh, in the Lost Legacy because she doesn't have any problems with uh, Chloe. Mm. Uh, she just hates the Drake brothers, yeah. uh, which makes sense <laughs> based on what you uh, do to her and friends um, in, in Uncharted 4. But it's you and Nadine fighting Asav just on a train that is just barreling towards a broken bridge. <laughs> uh, and so, and on this train, because you've diverted it, he's per- he's traded um, the Horn of Ganesh for basically, it's not, it's not a nuke, but it is a huge bomb. Yeah. Uh, and it's on this train, and the train was basically set to roll right into a major Indian city. Uh, and blow up, which would have incited the civil war. And so you derail the train onto it or divert it. And you get into a fist fight, and you have to run off this train as it's now careening off this bridge. Oh, um, Asav gets trapped under the bomb. It's great, uh, <laughs> you know. And again, in a in key with the rest of the games, where the villain ends up usually offing themselves. I mean, in this one, we punched him so hard he fell under a bomb and oh, got trapped. God. That's fine. But it was a really fun fight. It was a really fun fight because uh, it wasn't a shootout. It was just a he is better at fighting than both of you, and you have to team up to try to make it happen. It's so good. Yeah, and so this came out a year after Uncharted 4, um, and we had a, a, one of the designers from 4 stick around, Kurt Marginal, um, with a... Uh, another player come in here named Sean S. Gage who directed this game, who uh, also helped write it with Josh Schur. And, you know, you definitely have to, like, think about, you know, was this, you know, really kind of the start of something new? If Uncharted's going to keep going, are these the types of stories we're going to want to see? Or is there going to be just a complete pivot to, like, yeah, Uncharted's going to pick up on, like, Nate's legacy. And, you know, you do have, like, a Chloe Fraser who's maybe the one holdover is, like, oh, she's going to be the new Sully or whatever. And I think that's the question is, like, what would you guys want to see going forward in this franchise if, you know, what could they do? I think they should do kind of, like, an Assassin's Creed thing and tell, like, a more back-in-the-day story Mm. where you could have, like, a pirate or something on an adventure and have these game mechanics, but you have, like, a blunderbuster or whatever, like, old school. You said there's some swordplay in the fourth one. Maybe there's more of that, but it's that... It's that uncharted. It's an uncharted game, but new characters, different time zone, time time zone, different time period. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, I I mean, with that being said, wouldn't it be kind of fun to play as Sir Francis Drake and go and be like, 
oh yeah, no, I gotta leave. Um, yeah. You know, and, and kind of see where that, you know, to an extent came from. You know, perhaps. Um, you know, I, I think I was elaborating on it a little bit earlier. I, I wouldn't be mad seeing you know Nate and Elena's daughter carry uh, carry the torch. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think where Lost Legacy left off, I think they have more stories to tell with um, Chloe and the Dean partnering, and you know because they're because you know, they're great. And at some point, Sam shows up. Sam Drake shows up uh, a little bit later in the game, which causes some. You know, that it's that classic, like, we're partners, we're partners. Oh, late game betrayal. Okay, fine, reluctantly working together uh, after this sort of betrayal kind of motif. Like, it's a common motif. Like, that's a thing that happens. But seeing adventures between the three of them as they go off and do stuff, uh, again, still focusing on, like, I think Sam is an interesting side character. I don't really feel like I have a desire to play as Sam. Yeah, um, I would love to continue playing as Chloe or Nadine uh, and doing adventures as as them because they were. They, I think they are both really well thought out characters. They were fun. Their dialogue between each other, like I think they did just like that's one thing that, that we didn't touch on at all yet is just as you're playing the game, really like the actual just dialogue between Drake and Sully or Drake and Elena as they are just walking around in between the huge action sequences is so good. Yeah. It really is. And Nadine and Chloe capture a lot about that. And they also talk about, they do talk about Drake a little bit and they make fun of him. And it was so funny. Yeah. And I think maybe that is the window into the future though, too, of kind of seeing like, you know, what are these people's relationships to each other? If you do have Sam, I don't know you want to play as him necessarily, but maybe he is more in like a Sully type role and you get to learn more about like his history kind of via maybe like Nate's daughter or you get to learn mm-hmm. more about it through Chloe Frazier and more about Chloe herself and her relationship with some of these other people. Even like her and Sully seem like they had kind of a history too. Mm-hmm. And so you have like all these different relationships you can explore that kind of build out the Uncharted story without necessarily being like Nate needs to be the central figure in this, right? I like the idea of doing like the Drake thing, like maybe during his Degrassi years or something like that. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think that would be cool too, something like that first adventure, that first real big adventure. So long as there's DLC to reskin the Sully we know and love as Mark Wahlberg, I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I can't gloss past that. I mean, we're we're Jane Silent Bob going to be part of the Drake Degrassi? <laughs> so I uh, uh, <laughs> I can't believe they're in that show. <laughs> but yeah, I think we do need to talk a little about the movie. But one thing I did want to get into a little bit too first, you know, something they maybe would have done different. I kind of want to pull the pin back out on us talking about some of like the supernatural elements in these yeah. games. Because something that four I thought does very well is tell a complete story that you're very invested in with all the same uncharted feel and beats without feeling the need to reach for this weird at the end of like there are these monsters or these mutants or anything that you have to suddenly shoot. And I was like, so you could have done this all along. And it kind of felt like maybe Indiana Jones sort of set them up a little bit to be like, well, because they did it. 
we can get away with this and you people can just shoot him and like that's what i think it is i just think that they're like well we don't have to do the Indiana jones thing because we're our, we're an established franchise and now. i think that might have been yes. part of it because because how you know you, when you're looking at the story beats for one and you know if that you know if the zombie things if the nazi zombies weren't a thing in it how do you reconcile the the conflict with Roman and Navarro other than, you know, you know, what what is, you know, like, okay, yeah, they're getting away with this thing. They they got the statue, they beat us. What where's oh, it's like gee, dang. But now like knowing what it did gave Drake that reason to go, well now I have to be a hero. Mm-hmm. Because if that got out Yeah. It would spell disaster. But I think that's something that the third one actually does kind of well, where it's sort of like, it's almost a bait and switch. And that's one part of the game I did like, where it's like the supernatural element is not that there is something supernatural. It's that there's something believable about like tainted water that could cause damage if it got out. Right. Right. And I wonder if maybe there was some kind of element you could have done with the El Dorado statue in the first one. Where it is more like, oh, this thing is like cursed in a way that like it maybe it's like radioactive, like, you know, or something like that, where like you see people just kind of like die as they get close to it because the thing is just like you you can't really get near it, which I mean is the effect of what we see there to, I, to an extent. Yeah, yeah but I mean, and, and I think it still works in that regard. I, I do wonder if maybe there would have been a way to be like, you know, even like the end of Last Crusade, it's like. You can, the grail, like, yeah, it gives you long-lasting life, like, you know, it's all this, but you can't ever pass the seal, otherwise the temple closes, collapses on itself, and you're never going to take it out. Like, and I always appreciated that ending, because I was like, ah, right, it's more about the journey of finding this and finding, you know, your faith and finding this reconciliation, rather than be like, we're going to get the grail and, like, get all this and, like, store it away in a, a warehouse like the, the Lost Ark, you know, mm-hmm. it's like... I'm jumping between two fishes, but it's, it's, it's <laughs> no, the point but, I'm trying to make. It's like you could come up with something that. But I think I agree with what Fred is saying too. That they were taking, they took a risk with Uncharted One, mm-hmm. and they want they wanted to go with a formula that has worked. And I think adding that supernatural element uh, to the end of it added a little bit more of this mystery and grandeur to this adventure. That I think made it a little bit more memorable, mm-hmm. and they I think they did the same thing with two. But after one and two were done, with them moving on to the Last of Us and Uncharted Three, like Fred said, you know they they became a little bit more established, where they could tell a completely you know, and they had the experiment of being able to tell a story that is completely grounded in humanity. Yep. And it working. And I think, I wonder if there was a concern, you know, back in 2006, you know, 2005, 2006, when they were developing the first Uncharted, um, is a story that is completely grounded in humanity. Mm-hmm. Is that going to work? Is it marketable? Yeah. Is it marketable? Is that going to work? Granted, none of the marketing focused on Nazi zombies. Like so, but like, is that going to work at that point in time? Yeah. And I think as you know, gamers have continued to evolve and grow, and storytelling continues to change. I think it's refreshing to see something that is 
so grounded in reality, and I think that's why four feels so different, um, than, you know, than one and two, and you know, even three as they are starting to sort of steer away from the true supernatural, mm-hmm. uh, you know, climax to the game. That yeah, you know, maybe they did find their footing. They're established. They can tell a human story with human consequences. Yeah, uh, and make it feel. Big and important. Yeah. And I think that within is the difference. For sure. And I think it's something that maybe made the movie work in a way is that they modeled a lot after Uncharted 4. So let's maybe pop into that since we've been talking about it. Because I do do think there are things, though, I would have maybe done differently or maybe they should have done differently. With the movie? Because, I mean, yeah. It's interesting that the movie, you know, now we get into it, it's directed by Ruben Fleischer, starring Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg kind of inexplicably as Sully. Tom Holland is a very young-looking Nathan Drake. (laughs) I am... The timeline on that movie, where it's supposed to be happening in their relationship, doesn't exactly make sense to me. Yeah. I mean, they're obviously telling almost like a parallel universe story Mm -hmm. of to the games. It's not supposed to necessarily follow it. And obviously they tease out the the first story kind of coming in at the end of the first movie, but which I mean, if they do actually make a, a Drake's fortune and, and not a beat for beat necessarily, but if they do their take, I'm opening night, baby. I'm going to go see yeah. it. Like, so what were you guys thoughts on the movie itself? Um, I thought it was a fine gentleman six of an action movie <laughs> that, Honestly, like, I don't know why I'm so hung up on it, but, like, the Mark Wahlberg thing of it all really bothered me because as a person who even was watching Uncharted from the outside, watching people enjoy the thing that I latched on to, I love a mustachied, cigar-chomping, Hawaiian shirt-wearing guy. Like, I love that vibe. And, like, I think we've seen that kind of character before, so it's kind of that thing where it's like, oh, we get that. And just to cast him as Mark Wahlberg, like, I don't know. It bothered me enough to affect it for me. I, in that same boat, like, there's, I think, a bunch of people that could have made a better Sully. One of the first people that comes to mind, just just because he sort of got the hair and kind of the, honestly, kind of similar face, uh, Ron Perlman. Oh, I think could have been like a really good Ron Perlman could have made a great Sully. Um, Hell, dye Nick Offerman's hair, Uh, Mm -hmm. and because he can grow a hell of a mustache, and he's got good, you know, good acting chops. You know, he's popular everywhere right now. David Harbor, yeah, David Harbor could have made a fantastic Sully. Um, I, I also thought put it on the shelf for like ten more years, but then have like, I think John Hamm would be a good Sully. You give him yeah. like the facial hair. That's what I was talking about John Slattery, yeah. You know, but I hated the casting choice when I heard about it. Yeah, I didn't hate it as much as I thought I would when I watched the movie. I didn't think he did a terrible job. Tom Holland didn't do a terrible job. It was. It felt very run-of-the-mill action movie um mm-hmm. but it did capture some of the you know the the grandeur of um the uncharted series like when they use the hell you know the cargo helicopters to pull this huge old ship out of uh, you know and like yeah and they're doing a fight on a ship that's just 
getting helicoptered. Like, that was cool. It was cool yeah. as hell. There's no way, like, it's fun. You know, I think they did a fun job lifting the cargo plane sequence. Yeah. Uh, like, I went into it. Like I went into it thinking, I'm like, yep, this is a video game movie. Yeah, right. Uh, it ain't going to be good, but it's a video game movie about a franchise that I love. I'm going into it with an open mind, and if I enjoy myself as I watch this movie, that's a win. And I truly did enjoy myself. It was a fun flick. Um, the Mark Wahlberg was not... It's very fun to make fun of him. Mm-hmm. Um, he was and not well nearly as bad. As uh, yeah. as I thought it could have been. Yeah. I think I agree with that, too, that I think they did fine with all of it. The The thing that always kind of hung me up, and I think this even got kind of called out, too, at the time, is sort of like, it's weird to have Tom Holland, who is not bad in the movie by any stretch of the imagination. Like, I think he does fine. But I think the problem with Tom Holland specifically is that you have him in another major franchise playing a high schooler, and we're supposed to believe in this movie that he is a 27-year-old, which he actually is. He's a 26- or 27-year-old guy now. But the fact that we see him playing 18-year-old Peter Parker, you know, in all these other major movies that everyone's seen, and then you come in at Uncharted, and you're like, okay, so he's supposed to be 10 years older in this? Like, he doesn't look like it. Like Because it's just in your brain. It's like, no, he's... He has a real school. baby face. Yeah. That's the problem. Like, you can't... It's not like they... It's not like they do something to de-age him, right? You know, for the Spider-Man movies, he he looks like a believable teenager, right? He does not have the like the face or the grit of someone who is in you know an average guy uh, in his late twenties going on this adventure. Like that's why I think that you know Uncharted fan film with that they actually got uh Nathan Fillion to play Drake like mm-hmm. holy shit what a great moment mm-hmm. like that is that kind of solidified like yeah he would be great make this movie 20 years ago Brendan Fraser holy shit well, but you know that's too close to the mummy he's that's in fine. the yeah I was gonna say he's in the uh, 1999 modern classic the mummy uh <laughs> you know th- that's fine but what about uh, him just in his like whale makeup as Drake <laughs> You know there is a there is a cosmetic that you can unlock in uh, most of the Uncharted games uh, called Donut Drake, and it's just <laughs> he, they just make him super fat. Um, and uh, there is an achievement in most of the games that if you start a new game uh, with the uh, Donut Drake costume selected and you complete it on speedrun mode, uh, there's an achievement for. Like doing the speed run as Donut Drake, it's. I think it's. Honestly, I want to say it was like the achievement was called the Fat and the Furious or something. Um, I might be wrong on that, but there it was. It was a pun. Um, but you know, uh, the, the Tom Holland, it was fine. I didn't believe his age. He was not as believable as I think he could have been for the age that he was supposed to be in this story. It didn't really make a lot of sense. Mark Wahlberg was a confusing choice. The movie wasn't terrible. I did like the Nolan North uh, cameo. Yeah. Uh, that was fun. So I guess my problem with that whole thing is neither actor was cast because they were right for the role. They were cast because of their star power, yeah. which already dings my perception of the movie. I do think Ruben Flesher is, he's not like 
an amazing director, but I think he makes his movies pop. Like I think Venom, Zombieland, even that uh, he did like kind of a L.A. Noire style movie. Oh, Gangster Squad, yeah, Gangster Squad. All those movies look really good and pop, and I think he has the aesthetic of Uncharted down, which was kind of the disappointing thing was that the care put into the casting was non-existent and just transparently these are stars who are big other than Banderas I thought he played Banderas him. is great he's just he's just perfect when's like, he bad yeah mm-hmm. uh, plus yeah <laughs> but I also thought even the 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 girl that got to be the the villain that kind of takes takes out Banderas was good too well the one guy that I always heard for uh Nathan Drake that everyone wanted was uh, the angel guy oh David Boreanaz yeah yeah he, uh, yeah, but again, maybe like 20 years ago. It's kind of, but he's also kind of like boring Nathan Fillion to the. Yeah, and Nathan Fillion was also a Whedon verse. I think if you're going to get a Whedon verse alone, mm-hmm. it's going to be, yeah, Nathan Fillion. So let's jump into our power rankings here as we kind of reach the end of this episode, guys. Cause I think now that we've talked through all the games and gotten into a little bit of that. I mean, the movie movie was what it was. We'll probably have more to say if we get into a, like maybe a movie-focused episode ever, if they keep making them. But <laughs> I don't know. I don't think there's much else to say really about it. It's really about the games, and I want us to power rank your games. Let's go one through four. Yeah. And get the main installments. So, Dan, kick us off. I can pretty confidently say two... One, four, three. Okay. Is my uh, my order. All right. Any reason you picked one over another that... I think, um, yeah. So I think three is the least memorable of the original... Th- I, I, I feel... It feels like an original three and then like a reboot to an extent with one, two, three, and then four. They all came out, relatively speaking in a normal sequence for games coming out like that. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, Uncharted 4 takes place like 10 years later or whatever it is, or, or significantly later. Um, and then maybe with the the jump to the next gen, it just felt like its own thing. Um, but even still, like, 4, I don't have... I think I've only played it through once. Mm. Uh, I enjoyed it. it. Again. Like, well, no, no, talking about this, I'm like, fuck, I got, I gotta go, and I gotta play everything. Yeah, uh, <laughs> like that. That is just how I feel. I'm like, you gotta I, beat my headshot score. You know, I got, yeah. like, I gotta play them all again now. Like, I'm just so excited. Just talking about it made me excited about all of them again. You know, even still, with my one experience with four, I do remember loving it and being absolutely engrossed with it. But it's still. Um, Got a love for the classics. Got, you know, I love the two is just by far my favorite. One is so memorable to me just because of the moment of getting it and the demo and the hype around it. Uh, I think four was fantastic. And, you know, if I played through it again, that might change my mind on it and it might be higher on the list. But overall, I think I was the least in love with uh, Uncharted 3. Sure. And it's not like we've got to rank 20 of these movies and it's a huge yeah. uh, argument of what's in your top 10 and uh, how could you put, you know, Uncharted 23 that low on your list? You know, yeah. maybe someday it'll be that, but I don't think it will. They're all pretty close, right? Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. I, you know, I confidently play my list, but it's not like there are, gen, you know, dramatic jumps 
between. It's not like two is so, so, so much better than the rest of them, and none would ever be able to eclipse it. And three is, you know, it's not like three is Temple of Doom. Yeah. You know, or Crystal Skull. It's not, that's not the case. Yeah. Um, oh, I do like Temple of Doom. And I do like Crystal Skull. Oh. Oh. I like all four. All four are great. We'll put a pin in that for an Anna Jones episode. We brought it up a little bit. Now I'm itching, but that'll be it for another day. Fred, so I know you didn't play through all of them, but how do you feel, I think, especially about four and one? I think it's unfair for me because I say anytime you approach a branch, a branch, I was uh, combined two words, you approach a franchise when you approach. When you approach. When you approach. When you approach. <laughs> Uh, it's hard when you're going back and playing the older games because you're not playing them currently. Yeah. So it's hard for me not to rank four over one, two, or three because I'm not playing them in the moment and I do have those nowadays goggles. Like, yeah. I, I do struggle. Like, I enjoy playing old games. I do it a lot. But I definitely have trouble playing, like, comparing them. Yes. Because four does more the things that I like in a game, I wish they had better... I wish they had a gun mechanic for upgrading your weapons. That is the one thing I want in these games. Oh, that would be interesting. Yeah, Not even anything big, just something. Kind of like how you do in Last of Us. I mentioned a lot. I know, I know. But yeah, so let's say TBD for me, because I will be finishing these games. Maybe next time we have Dan on, I'll have my ranking. Whatever Naughty Dog game we do next, I kind of suspect <laughs> we might have one already, but... <laughs> yeah, give me some time to play through those games. Yeah, or we'll 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 pin you for Jack and Daxter. <laughs> no I mean, man, I might, I might just be the Naughty Dog franchise guy. <laughs> Uncharted Two, one ten-hour super episode <laughs> where we break down every Naughty Dog game. Oh my goodness! Well, no. we've already done two legs of them. So. <laughs> yeah, and we'll do it again too. Yeah. There's oh. a new Crash game that got announced. Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh! Yeah. <laughs> I will. Um, I'll echo your thoughts though, Fred, because I think. Having played them all in order all at once, it definitely, I think it gave good perspective of, okay, here's what each story has to offer. Here's like how each of them plays through. But it is hard to go, I think, what it was, 2019, 2020. No, it wasn't 2020. It was 2019. But um, to play through all of those at that point. And then be like, well, obviously four feels the best because it's the best graphics. In my opinion, I mean, four is my favorite. I I loved how grounded it was. I loved the brother's story. I loved the pirate treasure. I will go to Pirate's Cove mini golf (laughs) and read all the facts before I putt. And so I think that hit all the the boxes for me. Um, But two is great. That would be my second one. I think the story is so wonderful, so memorable. The the songs are great that are associated. (laughs) It's not even in the game. I think I'll put three, though, number three, and it's very close between three and one for me, only because I did like how three kind of dived into some of that history, but one is very close. I just, the the mutant thing in that really just still kind of gives me the <laughs> willies, and I don't know. I don't like to want to revisit it, but it was a very cool launch off. The whole franchise is very cool, and if you guys have never played it, whoever's listening, and you need a good franchise to jump into, hopefully this gave you a lot of reasons to find it. So, now that we're at the end of our episode here, anything that you gentlemen would like to plug? Dan, we can start Dan, with you. tell us what you'd like to plug. Uh, I guess come visit me when I'm bartending. New Baron's Brewing Cooperative. Uh, 
If you if you like franchises, you'll like our little franchise of beers and the stories. That that's so dumb. Uh, that was such a dumb way to phrase that. But uh, no, you know, you, people like stories. Uh, the beers that we have uh, tell stories, uh, and they, you know, they're they're named after people and stories. And we've got a nice little community here. Um, uh, so come visit us. Otherwise, I don't have anything that I'm. I don't have anything else that I'm working on right now. Is that like Lincoln and what's the? Uh, it is on First and Beecher in the First old Lincoln warehouse. And I just want to say, although I love New Barons the best, you can really spend an afternoon in that area because oh, there's yeah. another brewery there's and two, a distillery. There's uh, two other breweries. Oh wow! So yeah, it's a whole night out in one building. Come visit me. Uh, it'll be a good time. Excellent. Fred, what do you got? I will be with the Tina team on the 13th. If this uh, gets dropped in time, come see me at the Interchange Theater. Go. <laughs> <laughs> that is wonderful. I will also plug a show that I am in. I'll be in Sketch 22 on Saturday night, January 21st at 7 o'clock. It's going to be at Comedy Sports in Milwaukee, Wisconsin in the Farina Arena. Tickets are available at schmitzandgiggles.org. So go ahead and take a look there if you want to pick up tickets. Very fun show. Uh, And stay tuned for next time where we are going to be diving into another food tournament. You pulling my leg? No, Fred. (laughs) I'm just giving you a wing. (laughs) That's right. This year we are doing the Great Buffalo Wing Tournament. Yes. So please join us for that. And uh, we'll see you next time. If you are enjoying what you're listening to, please ask that you rate and review this show. Any of your feedback is appreciated. Please give us five stars. You appreciate that as well. If you'd like to support the show, you can also donate to us at buymeacoffee.com slash S-O-T-F. We also are on all your podcasting services, wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening to us currently, as a matter of fact. We'll see you next time.